Today on the podcast, I have a special guest for you. I cannot wait to introduce you to my friend, Eileen Claussen, and she is going to be sharing some amazing fluency tips with you today. Eileen is a certified reading specialist. She's a literacy consultant and curriculum designer who loves sharing literacy tips for reading teachers. She specializes in kindergarten through fifth grade, and Eileen can be found sharing literacy tips on her blog, social media, or in her newsletter. She has recently rebranded to Literacy with Eileen Clausen, so you can definitely check her out there. She has a huge passion for writing engaging passages and creating engaging literacy resources. She has seen firsthand the impact that it has on readers of all ability levels, and she truly loves helping readers near and far. It makes her extremely happy to be able to connect with students and teachers all around the world, and she truly believes that building confidence in readers is one of the most important things a teacher can do. I am so excited for you to be able to dive into a conversation all about reading fluency with Eileen. And let me just tell you, you are not going to be disappointed. We will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. Today is so exciting because as you heard in the intro, we have a special guest with us today. And so I'm going to let her kind of give a little bit more insight into who she is. And so Eileen, welcome to the show. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about you? Hi, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I am Eileen Clausen, and I am a certified reading specialist who specializes in kindergarten through fifth grade. Truly, my heart is in the early elementary, but I also learned to love working with upper elementary kids as well because they have so much to bring to the table when it comes to everything about literacy. I have a blog and social media and everything that teaches all about literacy. Love it. And so I know that sometimes whenever guests come on, well, maybe people don't really always think about it, but I do. Whenever I listen to podcasts and I'm like, oh, you brought on a special guest. I wonder like, how did you find that person? Do you know each other? And so it seems to be like one of those questions that people ask a lot. And so I just wanted to let you all know, we actually met through Instagram. And so I tell you the power of Instagram connections are so great because we took it off Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I know that your family came to Nashville. I had not moved here yet. Right. And then I met up with her and then two other teachers that she knew, Allison and Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Nashville. (laughs) And then we went on a trip. We went to Florida because we we both wanted to get branding photos done. We did. Yep. By the branded boss lady on Instagram. If you need branded photos, we're going to tag her in the show notes for you. 
but I am kind of that spontaneous. I'm just going to like book it and figure it out later. And she did it with me. And from that (laughs) point, I just knew that we would forever. (laughs) Yeah. I was literally like on a walk and I think I got your message saying like, okay, I did it. I booked it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to book this now. I have to go. We have to go to Florida with Megan. We got to get our photos done. We have to have a mini vacation. And it was just, yeah, from that moment, we knew. And I know it was like Father's Day weekend. So we were trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to let, like, what can we say for Dennis? Like, we can do a day in, day out. We can be models. We can just like pack up, fly in in the morning, get our shoot done, fly back home. But they turned it into a family vacation and it was a blast. So now we plan our family vacations based around if we can see Megan or not, basically is what it comes down to. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So that is how we met. We met through Instagram and then we love all things literacy, but we also just love all things with each other's lives. And so that is how I met Eileen. So we are going to get into her area of expertise, which is fluency and all things literacy. So I just want to start off by just in case our listeners are a little bit unclear, or I know this word is thrown around, but sometimes I think the definitions of what it truly means kind of gets a little misconstrued. So could you just explain first, what is fluency? Yeah. So let me just start by saying that I'm super passionate about fluency for readers of all ages because of the impact it can have on the reader. So Fluency has many different parts to it. So a lot of times people think of fluency, they think of just like a one minute word assessment, which is a part of fluency, but it's definitely not all. So fluency is reading with accuracy, reading with expression, reading smoothly, reading at a natural pace and reading for meaning. So each of those has its own part to it. And basically when students are working on fluency, they're going to be working on any of those skills. They might already know how to read words well. They can decode well, they can go through a story no problem, but they might not be reading with expression. They might not be reading at a good pace. They might be zooming through the text. So all these parts make a fluent reader really fluent. So you just have to focus on different things that the different students need, but you can really dive deep into each part. So you want to make sure that they're reading well. You want to make sure that they're reading in a way that sounds inviting to someone who'd be listening to them. You want to make sure that they're paying attention to punctuation as they're reading again, a natural pace, because if they're going too slow, too fast, all those things really affect their fluency. And then always the most important thing for sure is, are they reading for meaning? So a lot of times students might have perfected the other parts of fluency, but they're not really there yet with the comprehension piece. So that's kind of fluency in a nutshell, but it definitely has all sorts of parts to it. And so I think that just from there, right there, I think we hear fluency and we think, are you fluent? Can you read it like you're talking? But it's so much more which is where I think some of the gaps might start occurring from kindergarten to first grade, first grade to second grade. And then you get to third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and you're having to try to figure out how to make up for all of the previous years where, you know, this child missed out on truly becoming a fluent reader packed on with now reading comprehension and everything else that comes from the upper grades. So I think that with thinking about what fluency is, it is very apparent that fluency is important. So why should teachers really, really start to focus on fluency and not just let that be one thing that kind of slides under the rug? Well, like you said, it really is like, especially in the early grades, a lot of times teachers just think of fluency as are they reading well? Like, are they going through the story? And that's partially because of, you know, assessments that are out there and kind of how it's presented to teachers that you think like, okay, yeah, they can read fluently, like check that off my list. Let me move on to the next thing. 
But really, you do need to focus on it because it leads to better comprehension. If students are reading at that just right pace, they're actually able to pay attention to the text itself versus just like, oh, I'm just trying to get through this. If they're reading too slowly, they have that problem of like, there's no way they can comprehend anything because it's now that they've moved through it at such a pace where they don't even remember what they said at the beginning. And then it becomes too difficult for them to also focus on the meaning. So then they just have these frequent hiccups where they're stopping and pausing and that kind of thing. So you know that their comprehension isn't going to be there. And then if you have them reading just right, then you can say like, okay, you know how to read. We got that part down, but now we also are focusing on the comprehension. So that's really the most important part that people I think don't really realize is connected to fluency often, but that's what it is. The fluency leads to better comprehension. Another reason is it also helps readers sound more natural. So often we listen to kids read and they don't understand like, well, you should be sounding like you're speaking. So if you're having a conversation with someone, that's how you should sound like when you're reading a book. And a lot of times they're either going super fast, which I'm a fast talker, I know, but it's like, you still know when you're reading, you shouldn't be speeding through it. You shouldn't be going so slow that someone's lost their interest. So it's one of those things where they build their confidence as they become better readers So when they start to improve the pace that they read at and they make it sound more natural, they realize like, oh, I'm really a reader. And they start to build that confidence. And guess what? Confidence goes back to it. It leads to better comprehension because then they feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I can read this. I can tell you what it's about. And then the last piece, of course, this is kind of back to like the earlier readers, but it works for upper elementary too. Fluency helps students improve their ability to decode words because they're focusing on that accuracy and they're focusing on like, I need to be able to read these words because I need to be able to understand it. So it kind of all connects back to comprehension in my mind. It's all connected together, which is why it is so important to make sure that we're focusing on this. And I know that sometimes we want our students to come into our classrooms ready to take on the grade level content and curriculum that you are responsible for. But if they are lacking in this department, it is so important to make sure that you are giving them what they need, because that is going to build their confidence, make them successful, and allow them to just stack on to that knowledge for the years to come. So I love that. Thank you so much for kind of mapping out what is fluency and why we should be able to focus on this and make this a priority. So I know that right now, teachers are probably agreeing and they're probably, you know, thinking, yes, okay, fluency is important. I do have these students who are not fluent or they could be better. And so the caveat to that is like, but where do I find the time to even do this? Where do I find the time to teach fluency? So I want to ask you what suggestions or recommendations or ideas can you offer to our audience in terms of how they can incorporate fluency activities into their already existing school day? Okay. Well, the best news is you are most likely doing a lot of these things already. Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) So don't (laughs) feel like you have to add a bunch onto your plate. That's not it. You know, we all know that read alouds are so important. So oftentimes we think like, oh, I have this book for my mentor text for this specific thing, or I just want to read this book for whatever reason. But one of the things you can always do when you're doing a read aloud is model fluent reading. Kids need to see fluent reading in order to be able to do it. They need to hear it. They need to see your facial expressions. They need to see how you are, you know, looking at the text and using the pictures to uh, expand their understanding and stuff like that. So when you're doing a read aloud, it's always in the back of your mind. You're thinking like, okay, let me make sure this is a fluent read that my students can then use 
to do on their own when they're reading on their own, that's really all you're doing with that. A read aloud is one way that you can say like, check, I did my read aloud for the day. And really, I just showed my students fluent reading. So that's one thing you're most likely already doing. You can even do like a reader of the week where it might be like a student, it might be a parent, it might be an administrator, whoever, someone in your building who can come in and again, model that oral reading fluency. So then they start to see more people doing it. And they get those ideas like, I can sound like my principal, I can sound like Megan's mom, you know, whatever it is, it's like they start to see like, oh, all these other people sound natural when they're reading, they make facial expressions, you know, all those things. So it starts to get them in that same habit. So that's one thing you definitely are doing already. And again, just keep it in the back of your mind that you're also focusing on, am I doing a good fluent read? Another thing is choral reading. So this is something that you might do with you or another adult. Again, it totally depends on who's in your room, who's not in your room. But basically, you want them to be reading at the same volume as you. And then you slowly reduce your own voice level. So this is something where like you're basically building their confidence so that you pull back and then they can keep going. And you've already kind of set the pace and you've set the tone for like what they should be doing as they're reading. And then you back off and they can continue going. So that's another thing you could do, like that could be in like a small group that could be as you start a read aloud, if you have someone who's your student helper or whatever, those kind of things. Paired reading is another thing you can do. You're going to match your students up basically with a more capable reader or someone who's reading at the same level as them. And then they'll actually read aloud to each other. Kids love any chance to like be with a partner. So if you can have that time and have it focused, very specific, like, okay, today you're reading with your partner and you're going to be working on this aspect of fluency, it really provides them with, again, they want to impress the other student and then the student wants to impress them. So they, they hear another example of oral fluent reading, and then they're also challenged to do it themselves. So it works twofold that both partners are getting something out of it. Another thing I love, especially with upper grades, because they are that much more independent, you can do recorded readings. So you would pick like really popular text, like either it's books that you already have in your classroom library, or, you know, you can use different, there's so many sites out there now that have like recorded stories, but you could record yourself reading the text. Again, it's just so they can hear the examples of recorded oral fluency. You can also then have them take it. And now it's your turn. You guys are going to do the recorded reading and I want to hear your fluent reading. And now we can share those with other kids in the class. Kids of all ages love reader's theater. You might already do these in your class, but basically it's just picking a text that really encourages expression and has real like short parts. So everyone gets equal parts. Everyone has their role and that kind of thing, but everyone's going to be practicing. So this gives them the chance to, before they are like performing, they have the chance to actually practice reading fluently and they can really master their lines and then present it in front of someone else and everyone can applaud them and, you know, be so proud of their fluent reading. So there's a few other things, but those are just like real simple ones that you most likely can easily fit into your day or already doing. It's just a little bit of a shift of your focus for those things that you're already doing. I love that so much. And there are two things in particular that you hit on. And one, partners, pairs, not only before the pandemic, but like kids just work so well when they can be alongside a buddy or in a small, small group, if it's a good, healthy partnership. But then especially with the break of the pandemic, the kids were at home virtually or they were in school, but had to be so far away. And I feel like just now they're starting to kind of bridge where a couple of kids can be together. And so I just know that for nothing else, these kids really, really need it. And so you can use it for just this fluency activity. The two things that I really loved is the recording themselves. And not only there are so many sites that can do the recordings where they can hear themselves reading back, but 
I know that at the guided reading table, whenever I would say, you know, you're reading robotic, like you're reading like a robot. We don't want to do that. And it's not so much that they were, but I would always have the teaching point of, we don't want to sound robotic. And a lot of the time they feel like, well, I am reading fluent. And I know in my mind, like, no, you're not, (laughs) but they don't know what they don't know. And so we would often have to do like recording where I just have my iPad. I had nothing fancy at my guided reading table, but I would literally record them reading the page and play it back for them. Then their eyes are like, oh, (laughs) that's me. That's not me. And I'm like, oh, oh, yes, (laughs) yes, it's you. (laughs) But that awareness piece of them being able to hear themselves is what's so important because without it, they think they're doing it when they really aren't. And the second thing that I loved is the reader's theater. That is so much fun, not only for them, but for myself. I remember having first grade, second grade, kindergarten come to visit, or I would send a group out to go to my friend's classrooms and they could perform. But what I also loved about that is while they're working on fluency and working on this really big key piece because of all of these characters, it was also one more way to double dip and teach them, you know, drama and all of the different parts that they have to know for reading that typically finds its way on a standardized test. So these ways that and practices that you can use for your students while it works with fluency, it also helps with so many other different things. And I love that they all can literally be implemented as part of your already existing day. So thank you for those ideas. You bet. Okay. So I love centers in upper elementary. I love centers in primary years. And I will actually link to an episode about centers in upper elementary if you are interested in that. But I'm saying that because just like you could use other rotations and centers, I know that you are an expert in fluency centers. So could you share a little bit about how teachers can get fluency centers up and running in their own classrooms? Yeah. So, okay. My favorite thing about centers is that once you set it up, you can literally use that for the entire year. You can switch out the materials, switch out the theme, whatever it is. But like, once you get your students trained to understand, like when you're at the center, you're good to go. So it might take a little bit of setup to begin with, but then you're like, okay, this is going and we can do this. So if you want to have them working independently, they can do a fluency center where they're working totally on their own. Again, it depends on how your room is set up, but what your focus is with this is that each student has like a little fluency toolkit or you have these at the center. So basically a fluency toolkit is just something that has a timer. You might want to do like engaging tools, like a fun little set of glasses, whatever, different things that you know they're going to enjoy. Finger pointers. I mean, sometimes it can just be that little cue that they need to be like, okay, today I'm focusing on accuracy while I read. So I'm going to put on my little finger pointer and go, whatever. Upper elementary kids for sure have just as much fun with all those things as the earlier years. They love it. They love it. And I feel like we just look at them as older kids and it's like, no, we have to rip it away. And it's like, no, they love it. Let them enjoy it. Let them have it. So really your fluency center is the goal again, obviously is to get them to practice fluency and reading well and doing it on like a daily basis. You typically do centers every day. Like if you're going to have them set up in your room, usually you have the students rotating through them and you have everything set up. So a fluency center can be one that you have that is going to be students always rotating through it. One of the most important things, obviously, you need something for them to read because they're working on fluency. So you might have some students who don't feel confident enough yet to like read through a whole text. So you can start smaller for those ones and give them sentences that have, you know, words that they've been focusing on. The main thing is that they have something that they can read independently versus something that's going to be difficult for them. Because like we talked about those kids who sound like a robot, 
Well, if you give them something that's challenging for them, they are like dragging their feet getting through it. So it has to be something that they're able to get through and read well. So you really want it to be something that they are independent in so that they can actually improve all those parts that we talked about in regard to fluency. So basically, you want them to have a spot where they're going to go and they're going to know I'm at the Fluency Center, I'm coming down here to read. So a fluency toolkit, like I was saying, you're going to have things that one, they need to actually do the center. So if you want them to work on timing themselves, where you want them to work on, like we said, the recording readings, if you want them to be working on accuracy so they can hear themselves, you have the timer set, you're going to do it just for a minute, then I want you to stop, listen to it and see what you can improve. You can do like little self checks so they can see like after they did it like oh my goodness I didn't even decode whatever correctly or I was going so slow so I'm going to try it again so it's basically like they're going to go back and forth so they're going to try something they're going to listen to it they're going to move on to another goal if they were like yeah I checked this off I was able to do my accuracy well so now I'm going to work on my pace but really there's not a lot to a fluency center it's really like you just need something to read so you might have passages you might have a book you might have sentences You might have a reader's theater, like all those things we talked about, those can be done where they're practicing them in the fluency center. They're working on it. They're reading through it. They might be working with a partner like, hey, can you listen to me? Do this real quick and then tell me how I can fix it and those kind of things. The point is that they are focusing on something specific related to fluency and then they're improving and really they're reading. They're reading every day in the center. They are working on their actual fluent reading and comprehension. So it kind of all just ties in together. Okay. That was amazing. I know for sure just the impact that centers can have on students. And I think when you make them purposeful and you have a goal or an idea for this center, that's really going to directly correlate to a skill or a strategy that you want your students to do. The perfect way to get that practice in every single day is by way of a center. And so thank you so much for sharing. That was super explicit and just So many fun things that you can put in there. But the best part is, is that once you set it up, like all things, you have to model it, make sure that students know what their expectations are, know how to use the materials in there and know what their overall outcome should be. But once you have it up and running, it gets so exciting because you swap out materials, but it's done for you the whole entire year. So thank you so much for walking through that. With all of this fluency talk, there's just like disconnects between what fluency is, what it really is versus what we believe it to be, but then also how we like to move readers on because we hear them reading at a good pace. And so check, you're done and not really looking into things. So can you kind of touch on assessing fluency, what that looks like to assess fluency at a more in-depth kind of lens of How do we know if we're assessing fluency well, what that looks like, how often we should do that, but just a glimpse in on the assessment piece. Yeah. So anyone who's worked in an elementary building has some sort of assessment kit that's used to assess fluency. So there's different companies out there that do it for sure. My first experience with assessing students on fluency was definitely just the oral reading fluency score. So students who scored below a certain thing all needed help on fluency. So they would come every week to do their little progress monitoring assessment at a text that was way too hard for them. And then they would struggle through it. And that was honestly when I started getting really interested in fluency. And I was like, there has to be something more to this than just come sit with me, read for a minute, get really frustrated, say, it's okay, we'll try again next week. And then be like, cool, like, 
my reading specialist heart was like, something is not right here. Like there is definitely a disconnect, like these poor students. And that's honestly when I started really studying fluency and started focusing on it and thinking like, okay, what can I actually do for these students so that they are improving not only their reading and ability, literacy skill abilities, but also like that they're actually understanding things. I'm not saying that you can't do those things. You for sure want to assess how many words they're reading per minute, because it gives you a baseline. It gives you an idea of like, are they making progress? Are they improving? With anything, we need to have a point to start and then here's where we're going. But it doesn't have to be so frustrating for them. What it is, is like, you really just want the assessment to be like a, yay, look, you got two more words than you did last week. Let's move on. So you can still definitely do especially for students who are significantly below level, you really do need to make sure that you're assessing them frequently because you want to make sure if you're making little changes in your teaching, you want to make sure that you're actually helping them improve. So I do recommend if you don't have some sort of program that your school uses, that you do want to use your own materials that show if your students are improving on their assessments each week, even every other week. So like, I know that again, this year is totally different. You might be like, well, I have three fourths of my class that literally needs help with this. And that's where you're like your fluency center comes in and those kind of things. So you like, you want them constantly working on it so that you can say like, okay, now I want you to come over and read with me real quick. And you'll notice right away, you can tell when a student one is more confident and two, when they have made those improvements. So really you just want to assess how they're doing. Are they building their fluency skills? You might notice that their comprehension is starting to come together quicker than some of the other pieces, and that's okay. So like they might not yet be reading at a really good natural pace, but you do notice that they're starting to read a little quicker and that in turn, they're starting to be like, oh, I understand this. So the nice thing about like a one minute quick assessment is that it's not long for the student. It's quick and you can say like, okay, now let's real quick talk about it you know, they might've only gotten 10 to 15 words. They might've gotten 30 words, whatever it is, but there's usually enough that you can then real quick ask a question. It doesn't have to be super detailed. You can just have a quick discussion and then say, okay, yeah, you did it. Next week, we'll see what we can do. I like to do repeated readings so that like the first one might be their cold read, but then you're going to have them come back and reread that text two more times, whether it's the same week or within two weeks. So then their confidence is building as they're seeing like, oh, my score is getting higher. Then they start to be like, I understood more because I read a little bit more of it this time. And I was really excited to find out that whatever happened. So kind of build that anticipation too, as long as you're coming back to the text because you're giving them that chance to really like shine. No, I love that. And I like that last portion about the repeated readings because so often, especially the higher we move up, that's one of the strategies we teach is like, go back and read it again. And just with like close reading, it's like, you're going to uncover something else you didn't see the first time because you read it again. So in this situation, we're reading it to build the confidence and like you've already heard it once. And so we can actually focus on not having to solve the words and just work on the fluency, but it's also teaching them that readers do go back and reread and we can go back and reread three times if we need to, to get just a better understanding or to understand something clearer. So all of this is so interconnected and it's, I mean, there's so many benefits. And so if you're already doing it for a different reason or skill, then this is just one more way that you can be intentional with these different practices and getting in this fluency. So this has been incredible. Thank you for all of your knowledge and expertise around fluency. And I just know with the particular audience, I know we have just different teachers that listen for their own different unique situations, but for the most part, I could say it's probably upper elementary teachers. And so when we get those students that come in and they are not fluent, I mean, we do freak out in a way. And so I just love that there are tools and 
activities and resources available so that you can still continue on with your grade level content and you can still work on fluency really, really easily. So is there anything else that you would like to share when it comes to fluency or just any takeaways, any just encouraging words for the teacher who gets the kids that aren't fluent? Um, Is there anything else that you just want to leave us with before we wrap up? Yes. So again, I said this at the beginning, but really like, I want you to understand how important it is to focus on fluency and how much it really helps every single reader, no matter their grade level, no matter what level they're currently reading at, it really just impacts so much of their reading life. I did want to share, I have a freebie that's super helpful. (laughs) It kind of goes over everything that I talked about here. And it has like the little toolkit reminders and those kind of things that you could use in the fluency centers. Yes. Go to the show notes. We will link to this guide and just all the things that she had mentioned, this freebie that she has for you. You can find it in the show notes. So make sure to grab that free guide. It's going to be so helpful for you. Yeah. Okay. So you are the queen of fluency and I'm sure everyone is probably going to want to find you so that they can learn more. And so I just want you to be able to share now, where are all the ways that our listeners can be able to find you to keep their learning going, to keep connections with you? If you can just let us know where we can find you. So you can find me at Literacy with Eileen Clausen. And my TPT store is just Eileen Clausen, literally just my name. But I have tons of fluency resources there that you can find. I also have a membership site that has a bunch of guided reading resources that also you can use to work on fluency. So yeah, really you can find me anywhere with my name. As long as you can figure out how to spell it, you'll be able to find me. We will have her names in capital letters so that you know how to spell it. (laughs) If you look at the spelling of her name, you will probably pronounce it wrong. And so sometimes when I'm not sure, I just don't pronounce it at all. So that when I do hear it, I know how to say it correctly. But we will make sure to get the right spellings all there for you so that you can connect with her on Instagram, on Teachers Pay Teachers, also her membership site. And with your membership, is it geared toward just a couple of grade levels or what's kind of your focus with the membership? So the membership really focuses on kindergarten through fifth grade. It is for students of all reading levels so that you can reach your high kids, your kids who are right where they need to be, and all the kids who are below level as well. So I have everything in there, again, just because I've worked with kindergarten through fifth grade, and I know that it doesn't matter what grade level you teach, you have students from here to there and everywhere. So I try to have the resources for everyone so everyone can get exactly what they need. Perfect. And I've actually seen her membership, and so I knew that. But I know that a lot of the time, too, It really is perfect because no matter what grade level you're teaching, you have those grade level resources. But then if you are teaching fifth grade and you get the newcomer who does not know any English yet, or if you get a student who's reading on a first grade level, you can easily provide them with resources that are on their level. And as they need to grow up, you can be able to pull whatever resource and have it grow up with them. So I love that it's the one-stop shop for just reading passages galore questioning and as well as a lot of ways to practice with fluency. But Eileen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your literacy knowledge and fluency knowledge with us. We are just so grateful to hear from you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. This is so much fun. Yes. And then for everyone else, I will chat with you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. 
I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.